Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt, and her guest. Welcome to another podcast episode of Merkaba Chakras. I'm your host, Vaughn Galtz, and today we talk about how to cope with grief from losing a beloved family pet with pet loss specialist and medium author Karen Anderson. As an intuitive animal communicator, She will let us know what happens to pets when they cross over and what our family pets want us to know while we're living. So with that, Karen, welcome to Merkaba Chakras. Hi, Vaughn. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, I love this. I love this topic. And um, I get ghost pictures of my deceased pets. And so I know we're going to go through some of that um, and and th- maybe you can help uh, explain that a little bit to other people because I know other people get ghost pictures of their pets or they get communication from the other side. So we're going to kind of dive into the wonderful world of, um, you know, pet heaven, I guess, or if all dogs go to heaven or all cats or all, all everything, everything goes to heaven. So we'll, we'll go into that. So before we go into that, can you tell us your story for how you even got into this work because it's kind of unusual it's crazy it is a crazy story if it hadn't happened to me i'd go that's crazy that can't be so i could do this as a child as many many people can but in my case uh, my parents didn't quite support it they were afraid of it they didn't know what to do with it so they discouraged me which is really unfortunate because imagine if they had been you know helpful and and encouraged me to pursue my gifts, who knows, but that was not the path I had to take. So I learned at a very young age to hide my communication with animals, because I thought everyone could do this. You know, think about it. I grew up in the 60s. I lived half an hour from Disneyland. If you think about all the Disney movies, every single animal in the Disney movies can talk. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was also a, you know, I watched cartoons after school. Well, all the animals talk in the cartoons. So in my world, in my reality, there was no separation between animals talking versus, you know, animals not talking. I just thought all animals talk. So um, that's how it all came to be. But I, like I said earlier, I learned very early on to hide what I was doing. Well, let me ask you about this because I, um, I have clients all over the world that come to me for their six senses. And if, if uh, my guests know when they go to the Merkaba 
chakras.com website um you can go and see my books you can see the podcast where to where to look for the podcast and you can also see the consultations that I provide for six senses and i do get clients from all over the world who are parents looking for help for their child who have these um they call it extraordinary or unusual sixth sense. I don't really think so. I think many children do have it. They're just being suppressed because the parents are not familiar with this territory, just like you explained with your parents. So um, let's go into the world of uh, your experience with your parents and your sixth sense early on. So was there a specific event that came up that kind of scared your parents a little bit about your ability when you were a kid? Okay. I mean, there's got to be something that It all all scared them, but I was able at a very young age, I'm going to say around five or six years old, I was able to tell them that our family dog was a a beautiful collie, a tricolored collie, uh, was basically having a bout of pancreatitis. Now, I didn't call it pancreatitis as a five-year-old. I call it a tummy issue, that tummy upset, which is pretty true. And uh, that really kind of scared them you know how did she know this and then what kind of was the the one thing that pushed them over the edge was I was able to describe departed human loved ones to them in great detail okay can you give an example of of yeah yes so I could describe my great grandmother my great grandfather I knew their names uh, I knew their personalities, and my parents were just not having that. <laughs> so they told me I had an overactive imagination that animals don't talk, and I needed to stop. Okay, so I'm going to ask you some um, deep diving questions for children who maybe had this experience um, growing up with parents, or parents who are going through this experience right now, just to further, further understand. Um, were you accurate about your deceased loved ones that you never met? You were very accurate. Much, very much so. They used to visit me in my room. I could see them as just as I see you now. There was a more translucency from what I remember. This was a long time ago, but they were real to me. They, they would interact with me. They were very, they were not scary at all. It was never, it was, it was fun. They, they were, they loved me so much. I felt like there was such a bond there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so you had ancestors in, in Asia, we call them your ancestors, who decide to come back and be, quote, quote, your guardian angels. Um, and they just kind of watch over you. They don't really interfere and maybe, um, you know, a little gentle nudge. But for the most part, they respect your pre-life plan. But uh, was that was that fall under kind of how you saw them when you were growing up was kind of a guardian spirit that was part of your family? I didn't know they were distant relatives. I just thought they were these people who loved me. So at that age, I wasn't able to put together that it was, you know, an actual relative coming through. And uh, I think that that's, that describes it, that pretty much describes it okay. the way that it, that it happened. I, I just wish my parents would have encouraged me to draw them or tell more about them or what do they say to you or, you know, just try to draw out any more information that they could get. And oh, 
didn't get uh, that at all. You know, Miss Karen Anderson, if I was your parent, I would encourage you to draw them. Can you tell me if there's a secret code to the safe? <laughs> you, know? So, right. you, you know, just, uh, just you know, just that kind of, kind of thing. Or if, we, if we're at the park, hey, give us some insight on the best deal. Or, you know, I would kind of take advantage of it. I, I, because I, I, I understand and open to that space. But this is not every parent is like me. And I, I get that. I do six sense consultations of all kinds of six senses. Um, but what are they scared of? What, what, what are they scared of when they, because it wasn't like you were bringing forth demons to the front door knocking for dinner. I mean, what was they scared of? I think it's fear of the unknown. I think just generally human beings, whatever we don't know, we fear. I mean, it comes even down to, you know, cultures, for instance, cultures that we're not familiar with, we tend to hesitate or we're not as forthcoming with a culture that we're not familiar with. You know, let's take something like snakes. You know, most generally speaking, a lot of people don't like snakes. Well, once you know and understand them and how they survive and what they have to do every day to get through life, you can respect them. You don't have to like them, but you can certainly respect them and understand them on a higher level. So I think it was just the fear of the unknown. Mm. And what is this crazy information coming through my child? You know, that part scared them. And my grandmother was, who was alive at the time, she had a palm reading or a fortune telling sometime in her teens or early twenties mm-hmm. that didn't go so well that the, the fortune teller gave her bad news. So I think my mom was extremely hesitant because she thought that I was going to like bring forth bad news or bring forth bad information, which never happened. It was only. Well, what was the bad news that never happened that, that scared your grandmother so much that it made this impression on your mom? I never got the story. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I you know, when I, when I consult with parents who are um, in this experience, they grow, they grow from it because here's the thing. What I found with um, young people who have these abilities to communicate with um, the auto altered realms, like with, with ancestors or with deceased pets and, and so forth, um, is that once you get comfortable with it and once you understand it, it's not that magical. It's, it's, a, it, it's just another skill. It's just another skill that you have to your disposal. And it's like muscle memory the, or, or riding a bike. The more you use it, um, the more better you become, the stronger you can become with the skill. At the same time, just like any other skill, you have to refine it so that it doesn't uh, take over your life and you know go out of control. You wouldn't want somebody knocking out at your consciousness twenty four seven. You can't think and focus on your homework, you know. Exactly. And so that didn't happen with you. You you no. when you were growing up. Okay, that's good. I've had some no. of that. I only confided in my best friend uh, when I was a, a youngster and she believed me. She was like one of the very few people who believed me, but I kept pretty much to myself about my communications. And then as I reached my teenage years, I completely buried it and completely stopped 
And it wasn't until many decades later, so push the fast forward button. Right, right. <laughs> and that's when it all came snowballing back to me again in what I would describe as the most unexpected way. I was I was a police officer in mm. Colorado and I was fresh out of the academy and I was working the night shift and I was the only female on the department and I was basically thrown onto, um, you know, the front lines mm-hmm. with your nearest backup car is sometimes a half an hour, 45 minutes away. They could be at home in bed asleep. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn how to very quickly walk into a situation and start reading the energy. And and I did that not knowing I was doing it. I did it mm-hmm. to be safe and to go home at the end of my shift. But what I was doing, Vaughn, is I was learning very early how to read energy. And I taught myself how to read human energy, watching their eyes, watching body language, watching just everything that was happening. And and here's a perfect example. Mm-hmm, yes. Two people are fighting. You walk into the room. They're not fighting anymore, but you can feel the pressure. Mm-hmm, it is mm-hmm. thick. You can mm-hmm. cut it with a knife, right? That anxiety, intenseness. So that's that's an extreme example. But I learned to pick up on the subtleties of energy when I was conducting interviews, when I was on crime scenes, when I was called to try to figure out, you know, who's lying, who's telling the truth. So that's where everything started to snowball. So who would think that a childhood ability to communicate with animals and departed spirits would come back full force when I was a police officer? I mean, that's, that's crazy. Oh, I I think it's wonderful because you were in a situation where you needed to tap into resources to help you get through this. And you tapped into perfect resources. Very, very helpful. Um, You know, you you just answered a question I was going to ask because I find this very common um, with children who have these uh, quote, quote, psychic abilities, which I I don't really think they're psychic. Um, They're just unused six senses. Um, But Anyways, what typically happens if you have a parent or guardian that is um, supportive and will let you draw pictures and all that kind of stuff within realm of you still have to do your homework and you still have to take a bath and brush your teeth, all that kind of stuff, not let it take over, but is it pretty much supportive, then those children basically perfect that skill very, very well. Or you get the opposite, which is what you got, where you got the full stop this scares me, don't do it again. And then you suppress it and it always comes back up like a ball, it just pops back up uh, when you're much older um, at, a, at a, a random time. And so there's really no escaping your sixth sense. It's going to come back and you're going to basically learn to um, adapt to your natural ability. So Let's move forward to now you're retired from the police force, right? I did. Okay. And so you started to um, write books about your experiences since you communicated with 
pets um, who are deceased, is it, is it mostly just pets you communicate with or do you also communicate with deceased loved ones? Well, it was a combination of both. What was happening was I was mostly conducting pet sessions. That was my, my joy was mm. communicating with animals. I didn't even know I could communicate with humans as an adult. That was kind of a forgotten skill. Mm -hmm. And so what was happening, Vaughn, is I'd be having a pet session with a client on the phone. We didn't have Zoom back then. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd sense another energy coming into my space. Now, when I say that, it's kind of like uh, if you're in line at the grocery store and someone comes in behind you, you don't have to turn around to know that somebody's standing behind you. Right. Especially if they're standing a little too close. <laughs> you can kind of feel their energy pushing up against you, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's what it felt like to me. I felt other energies starting to come into my space. And, and I tried to ignore it at first because I was like, I don't know who this is. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know what to do. So I didn't quite uh, roll with it at first, but then I realized, Hey, you know, I need to figure out who this is and what's going on here. And this is kind of cool and interesting. Started sharing what I was getting. And that's how it all evolved where I could communicate with animals. The animals were like the ambassador. They would mm -hmm. bring with them the other family members. That's what was so mm. cool. That they were all together on the other side. I thought that was so cool. Yeah. I, you know, it, the other thing I wanted to ask you about the pets. Okay. So in Hindu um, folklore, spiritual folklore, there is a story of a man and his best dog. Okay. His best friend is his dog. But when his dog died, um, he saw his dog cross over to the other side but then it crossed over and it transformed into a human um and so he's like whoa you're not a dog and you know it, and his best friend you know talked to him and just said no i did i decided to take the form and incarnate as a dog so i could be your best friend it was easiest to be your best friend as a dog that as compared to a human because i'm don't have the opportunity to be your brother and so this was the best way to be around you all the time and kind of like give you that comfort um as you go through difficult situations in your life and so that's a that's a that's a popular hindu one and then the other thing that's a popular hindu um folklore regarding our beloved pets and the other side is um on the other side all of the different spirits they know what unconditional love is, okay? They know unconditional love. That's what it is all around. But um, when hum when humans decided to incarnate as humans for the first time and uh, experience polarity, like up, down, right, left, good, bad, sadness, and sorrow versus the opposite of unconditional love so they can understand and reconnect with what unconditional love is by experiencing the duality of, um, of physical, you know, creation. The only animal that chose to leave the spirit world was the dog. And the reason why the dog left the presence of um, source, universe, God, whatever you want to call it, the reason why the dog left to go be with man is because the dog said, um, I want to bring unconditional love with me present and accompany 
humans do this experience. So for whatever reason, whatever they come across, whether it's tragedy, whether it's sorrow, whether it's, you know, uh, gut-wrenching um, horrors, they will always know what unconditional love is. And so oftentimes when I um, see pet brudette, pet brutality and, and and hear stories of people abusing pets and putting um you know pets through or animals through gut-wrenching experiences i've heard of people i'm gonna get kind of gruesome i've heard people um beating or even trying to burn the dog but then even after all of that the dog it will still kind of scratch and crawl and and crawl up to the person to try to give them love even after all that torture, they will still always love you unconditionally. So in um, in Hindu and Asian folklores, that's a very beloved story about um, dogs, particularly in that they're here to bring us and remind us of unconditional love. So with that, let's transition to where do family pets go after they die? Wow, that's a really powerful story. And I think it's very true from my experience that even in the worst case of abuse that I ever had in conducted sessions on over the years, uh, the animals were incredibly forgiving and didn't hold their abuser to the same level of responsibility or blame or whatever you want to call it as humans do. It just, it just doesn't exist, which will come into play later on when we're talking about what happens when they get on the other side. So I'll try to remember that so I can tell you the rest of that story there. But uh, truly, it is, uh, I've learned so much from the animals. I learned more from the animals during communication sessions than I have from any book or movie or story or anything they are incredibly wise. They have so much knowledge. They know so much more about us than we can even begin to scratch the surface and understand. Uh, but it's all from a different perspective. They're not human in this lifetime. And when they transition to the other side, and when I connect with that energetic being on the other side, they are who you remember. So if they were dog, mm -hmm. cat, horse, parrot, or whoever, that's who I connect with. And they take with them all of their traits, all of their funny little quirky little things that they do, their likes, their dislikes. They're, they're very similar to how they mm -hmm. are here. And uh, it really is truly incredible how they keep tabs on us. They know what's mm -hmm. going on in our lives. So I love to share how my biggest worry when I was little was that I would never see them again or you know, they were gone forever. Where are they? You know, I, I can't, I can't hold them in my arms. Mm -hmm. so will I ever be able to see them again? And the answer is you will see them, but more in a sense of like in a, in a dreamlike sense, where if you dream about someone, let's say you dream about uh, your best friend or your mom mm -hmm. or your cousin or someone, it's that kind of sensation. It's very powerful. It's very realistic but it's different. It's a different kind of sensing. You don't have to say their name to know it's them. You just know it's them. Like I have right. clients say, oh, I had the most vivid dream about my dog last night. Well, how do you know it was your dog? Oh, I just knew. I mean, I could tell it was her, you know, mm -hmm. she, she was, that's, that's her love. I felt her, you know, I sensed her. 
it's a sensing. So mm. yes, you will see them again. Yes, you will sense their energy around you. Absolutely. So that was very heartwarming for me in my discovery, just on my personal journey to know we will be together again someday. We will be in the same energetic space and we'll be able to share if you if you want to use the word time we'll be able to share time with each other again because there is no time on the other side past present future is all happening at once so it that was that i needed to hear that i would see my babies again because that was really hard especially as a kid if you lose like your best friend you know will i ever see him again yes you sure will Mm-hmm. Well, so have you ever had any sessions with clients where you were shown the other side by the family pet? Oh, yeah. so can you describe some of those, some of those visions that you saw? Yeah, it is really an incredible experience. And the more time that I spent on the other side, and let me just clarify, the other side isn't somewhere else. So I'm sitting in my office right now where I conducted my sessions for the past 20 years. So when I would conduct a session, I open a space. It's like opening a door or a window. Right. And I draw, the, I draw the spirit energies to me. So I'm not going somewhere like, you know, up in the clouds or down to Middle Earth. I'm right here in my office. But what you get to experience, what you get to see with your other senses is completely off the charts, indescribably beautiful. The sensations of love and comfort and just the peacefulness that is there and around you, it's like a warm blanket. It's like being around your most favorite people, everyone and animals, everyone who loves you. There's such vivid colors everywhere, indescribable colors. And you never feel like you want to leave. You want to stay there. So, and this is all around you. This isn't some yeah. foreign, strange place or, you know, it's, it's all around us. And, and that was, that was a big kind of surprise for me because I never thought of the afterlife, the other side, heaven, whatever you want to call it as being literally around us, parallel universe. Mm -hmm. it, it is where we are. So our, our loved ones, both human and animal they get to continue doing what they love to do in this parallel universe that's overlaps our universe. So that's why you'll see them in their same favorite spots. That's why right. you'll sense them on your bed or you'll right. feel them by your feet because they really are there. They're just in this other dimension right there where they normally are. Okay, so let me, let me ask you this. I wanted to dive a little bit more into this. <clears throat> so when you're doing your sessions you open yourself and you imagine almost like a portal opening up in your office and then you call the beings that you're trying to connect with forward so poochie coo come on in right. okay you know and then you know whoever you want to bring whatever friends you want to bring with you so you call the spirits um forward and then they are existing in your presence in the dimension that they're in and and yes. in 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 eastern metaphysics in buddhism for example that's my specialty um 
everything exists right here and now, and the only difference is the frequency in which it resonates ah, at. Okay. Yeah. So, like, if you're familiar with semantics or harmonics, if you want to change um, the picture, you increase the frequency, and then you'll yep. get a different picture in the sand plate or, 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 or whatnot. If you want to, um, if you want to lower it down, you lower down the frequency. Mm -hmm. So it's just a matter about frequency. And so, um, if you want to tap into and see and engage with the spirit world, you have to raise your frequency mm -hmm. into ter in terms of your level of consciousness to increase your aura field to that energy level to wherever they're at. And and if they want to be where you are, they have to lower it down to where you are. Exactly. But because it's, because they don't have a physical body, it's really hard to lower it completely down to the dimension yep. or physical uh, resonance that you're at. So you, they kind of meet you halfway where that's where you sometimes um see them as a residual or sometimes they may show up in your pictures and also why i call that kind of the space in between mm -hmm. so yes i raise my vibration they lower theirs and then there's the space in between where it's atmosphere where we don't quite meet that's where a message might get misinterpreted mm -hmm. because we I, I can hear what they're saying, but I didn't catch every little detail of it. And especially with a human energy, humans vibrate to me at a higher rate. So I have to raise my vibration higher to communicate with a human loved one. Um, and in that vibration, it's almost like they're on a merry-go-round. When I first started, mm -hmm. as that energy was circling back around, I would hear and then it would disappear again. And then it would come back and then it would disappearing and i would hear e uh, it, e, uh, like a skipping right. tape and it wasn't until i learned how to continually rise my raise my vibration that i was able to get a, a complete word or a complete sentence because of that movement of the vibration and just how we're trying to meet in the middle there so i totally resonate with that makes sense well, well let me ask you this in terms of connecting to pets um, on the spirit realm for, for your client. Um, do you ever get like a download of information instead? And I, let, let me explain download for people who aren't familiar. What is a download, Vaughn? A download is like basically what you would think a download. It's an instant knowing of the answer. You kind of see an image. You, all of a sudden you get an image and the image is like a thousand has like a thousand words in that image and then you have this knowing that you just know that this is the one and you yeah. you know that's like a down like an instant download so um instead of trying to hear the message do you ever get situations where you, where the client all of a sudden um gets a download like oh i just felt my pet and i just know this and i just know that and i just see this and or on you you know the same kind of thing do you get that as well I do. And, and my favorite thing is to ask uh, my students who are learning animal communication with me, mm -hmm. you know, how did you receive that information? And they'll think for a minute and they'll go, it just came to me. I just knew it. It was just mm -hmm. there. And I explained to them, okay, now when you get that information, pay attention. That is purposeful. That's how mm -hmm. you receive information. So whenever you get that 
kind of sensation. Some people are, you know, they're more visual, so they'll see things. I'm primarily clairaudience, so I'll hear things, but I, mm -hmm. I use all the clairs, all the different clairs that we have. But when you know how you receive information, if it comes to you as a knowing or it's, you just sensed it, claircognizance is typically what that falls under. There's a whole bunch that it could mm. be. Um, but that is a real sense. It's a real sensory perception. And when you get information like that, that's really something to pay attention to. And that's how I teach those who are learning this. It's like, pay attention to how you're receiving that information because we're all different. Some of us are stronger in clairvoyance. Some are stronger in clairsentience. Some are stronger in clairaudience. And when you are doubting yourself, because there's a lot of doubt that comes into when you're learning this mm -hmm. new skill, you think it's your imagination. Am I making this up or what? Am I really hearing these messages? That was just my thought, right? It's mm -hmm. like, no, it wasn't your thought. Were you thinking about frogs? No, I wasn't thinking about frogs. Well, then mm -hmm. that wasn't your imagination. That was a message coming through. But it, yeah, was, it was like an insert. They inserted yeah. this thought to you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's not always going to make sense right away. You know, it took me a long time before I was able to make sense out of the images and messages that I was receiving. But as you said in the beginning, you know, it's really a skill, just like learning how to speak a foreign language. Mm -hmm. Anyone who's multilingual Think about it. You go to a foreign country, you fly in, you don't know the language, you step off the plane. Do you instantly know how to be fluent? No. But the longer you spend time in that country, you start to associate a certain word means, you know, what's the word for, you know, cup or what's the word for pen? You know, after a while, you start to learn what certain things are. Same thing with animal communication. Mm -hmm. And same thing with communicating with human loved ones, because they like to do charades. They like mm -hmm. to send physical thumbs up, thumbs down. You know, I get a lot of the uh, symbolic yeah. messages coming through, especially if the departed spirit has a hesitancy about coming forward to me, a medium. Let's say it wasn't their belief system. Right. Or, you know, Which we carry. We carry our belief system with us aside. So if, yes. if you are at, a, if you decease at a certain consciousness level where let's say you get to a certain point where, okay, you're comfortable at this level of understanding reality, you carry it and then you learn from that level. Yep. I actually uh, can, in that portal that you described in my office, it's just here off off of my left, that's where I would invite the spirits to come through. And I work off of a photo of a pet. Mm -hmm. I do not work off a photo of a human. The human comes through because I invite them, but I, I like having pictures of the animals because I love animals. So I love mm -hmm. seeing who I'm connecting with. And also because it gives me kind of like that animal's phone number. It's like I can dial yeah, them up yeah. energetically a whole lot faster if I have a photo. I can still do it without a photo, but I'm kind of a lazy animal communicator. I don't want to work that hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just want the photo because I can get there a lot faster. And it just helps the client feel good knowing that I have the photo of the animal there that I am connecting with their pet. And then the messages come in and validate 
that only the pet would know that, or that was, right. you know, there's no way anybody else could have known that. But when the humans come through, what I was going to share with you, um, if they have any kind of hesitancy or if their belief system or their faith or whatever um, wasn't conducive to a mediumship session, mm-hmm. they will stand a little bit off to the side or just mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. of the spotlight. I have this mm-hmm. beam of light that comes down. I ask them to step into the white light. If they step into the white light, I can see them. I can describe what they're wearing. I can describe their facial features. And if they stay just outside of that light, I could just kind of see shadowy images. Mm-hmm. That's usually somebody who has some kind of hesitancy that doesn't feel comfortable stepping forward. And that's fine. I can still communicate with them. It's a little, takes a little bit more, but there's a lot of, of charades going on. I have to try to determine what they're trying to tell me using different symbols. Right, right. Well, let me ask you, what is the common messages that you hear from all these different deceased pets? Is there a common message they keep telling their loved ones? Oh, yes. Okay. So without a doubt, the number one uh, topic that the animals want to talk about is the love they feel and the love they have for you. Mm. Number one, it just pours from them. It's it's it, it's so powerful when I open up to them, I feel like I'm in love with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how powerful it is. I feel that love. So they don't want to talk about how they died. They don't want to talk about what happened. They don't want to talk about their illness. They don't want to talk about losing a leg, losing an eye. They don't want to talk about their kidney disease. Human wants to talk about those things. Animal doesn't want to talk about mm-hmm. those things. They don't, the animals don't see the need of wasting precious energy because it takes energy for them to send me a message, just mm-hmm. like an email. You can't text me and you can't email me if your computer or your phone isn't charged up or plugged in. Same with animal communication and mm-hmm. spirit communication. They have mm-hmm. to have energy. So they're not going to waste their energy going over useless stuff. hmm So they talk about the love they have, the love they feel, and usually very happy memories. It's usually always Mm. good. Because I have some clients who were, oh, Karen, I'd love to book a session, but I don't think I could get through it because, you know, it's just going to be so sad. And I just think, no, it's not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, it's not. My, My sessions are amazing and uplifting and powerful and and they leave you like on cloud nine there's nothing sad about my sessions because the Mm -hmm. animals talk about such positive topics and they do their their favorite topic their number one topic is to talk about themselves that's their favorite thing to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) and their their second favorite is themselves so I'll, i'll let you just imagine what their third favorite topic is you themselves oh, okay. <laughs> that's what they love to talk about so in intermingled in there will come out specifics about their life what they did maybe something you're going through you know I get everything that comes through in a session from someone having dental work to mm. um, car trouble um financial issues uh relationship problems and you get this from the pets this is this information comes from the pets 
Yeah. Really? You even get financial advice from the pets. I've, I've, I've actually gotten some stock advice from a departed human spirit, not an animal, but okay. <laughs> a departed human spirit. Mm-hmm. I had a horse one time, a departed horse showed me upside down numbers. Mm. I, I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, why am I seeing upside down numbers? So I was, it was still really early in my career. I was like, why am I seeing this? So I had to ask, I had to ask the client, you know, are, are you doing anything right now? Financial? Is there anything going on? And yeah, actually we're in the process of buying a business. And mm-hmm. I said, um, well, I'm seeing numbers that are upside down. I said, I don't know what that means. And she goes, well, I know what it means. She said that they got copies of the last year's tax returns and they found that the company was actually taking a loss. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they had, yeah. to, they had to call the deal off. So, you know, the horse didn't come right out and say, you know, don't buy the company. It's mm-hmm. taking a loss. But I saw symbolically upside down numbers. Right. And then you decide based off the of information. Right, right. Well, that's really helpful to know that you can really tap into a lot of different topics besides how you doing, Pucci? You know, how you doing, uh, Dougie? Uh, okay, well, you know, let me ask you this. Um, do pets reincarnate again and find you again? All the time, yes. Please tell people some examples of what you have um, found with your clients. Well, let me just start off by saying not every animal feels the need to reincarnate and no amount of wishing, begging, or bribing will get them to return or reincarnate if it is not in their plan, their sole Mm -hmm. purpose. It has to already be something that is in the highest and best interest of that individual soul. Mm -hmm. So you have to just realize that if it was meant to be, it'll be. If it wasn't meant to be, it's not going to happen. But um, on a positive note, yes, reincarnations happen all the time. Do they? And I've even seen instances where the same animal has come back several times in a client's lifetime. Yeah. So yeah, yes, so the same animal coming back several times. So the good news is, yes, they do come back. The bad news is the shorter time they, the the less time they spend on the other side, the shorter their life will be when they come back. Why is that? Why? I don't know. I think I have some theories and I I think it's because Hmm. the longer they stay on the other side, it's like being in pure bliss. It's like being in such a perfect space and coming here on earth is really hard dense it's dense just our atmosphere you know just being here it life is really hard and i think it wears the soul down so the longer the soul gets to be like on vacation on the other side the longer their lifetimes are when they come back here so if you have just recently lost a pet and you're begging pleading borrowing and wishing that this pet would come back to you right away my experience has been that if they do come back to you right away, they're not going to be here for their, now there's exceptions to every rule, but generally speaking, mm-hmm. they won't be here for as long as a lifetime as you would want them to be. That's been sure. my 
experience. Uh, someone else may have a different experience, but that's what I have seen and that's what I've documented. So the longer they are on the other side, the longer their life will be when they come back in body again. Okay, so quick qu- quick question about that. Um, so for, for pets, from what you're finding out, there's your pet who wants to say something. Um, when they when they go to the other side, you hit unmute. Unmute. There you go. My dogs are barking. Oh, okay, okay. No worries. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll splice it. I'll edit this while I have it edited. Okay. Edit up. Okay. So, real quick. So, when pets go to the other side, if they choose to reincarnate again, um, and they didn't stay in the spirit world long enough, then they will not live as long. So, um, so it's almost like a charging station. The spirit world mm-hmm. is like a charging station. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you don't fully charge your batteries, it's just not going to play very well or yep. for very long. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Um, it, does that, does that technique apply to human spirits who cross over? Um, I tend to not see reincarnations very frequently within a hundred years. A hundred years. So it's it's not like, because I have seen some, um, so with the pets, for example, I have a client uh, and also friend who we go through her whole photo book. And, and I see the same dog four different times. Okay, that's different. The same, that's different. Yeah, this, it, it's the same two two dogs, two mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, little dogs, black and white dogs with the same with the same practically the same patterning. Um, one's black, one's white, and they have opposite contrasting colors. But anyways, it's four different sets of dogs, but they all look exactly the same. And it may be that she's picking out the dogs. They look the same, but, uh, or m- maybe somewhere un- unconsciously she's picking out, well, you look like my other dog. So right. for some reason, I'm going to look for the same patterning of the dogs, but um, it's always the personality and the behavior is, is much the same. And I see this where she has lost a set of dogs a year or two later, she adopts, very similar looking dogs and they go straight to the previous dog's favorite items and go right in to their favorite bedding. And it's almost like they never left. And so, uh, and this happened also with her cat too. Her cat passed away. And um, two weeks later, the similar looking cat came in the front door and was just, just sat there waiting for her to let her into the house. And it kind of spooked her out. So the cat ended up getting being a pet of somebody else in the neighborhood but how do we know it's um it's the reincarnation of the previous set or it's just the owner's wishful thinking of adopting a similar looking dog or cat i think you know and i'm speaking from coming from my law enforcement background too where if you didn't have evidence you don't have a case so i Mm -hmm. think on some level you have to look for the evidence you know are they doing the same things are they using the same toys are they sleeping in the same bed are they having the same behaviors the same characteristics i think you have to look for the evidence and truly that is proof in and of itself and um is it a little bit of wishful thinking involved absolutely there's some wishful thinking involved but i think that that also allows 
that reincarnation to happen. I think if you don't believe in reincarnation, if you don't believe that somebody can return to you, the chances that you're going to sense it or pick up on it diminish. Right. So so you, fact- you attract what you are. You attract what yeah. you are. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, um, Karen, with the, with the topic of um, reincarnation of human souls and spirits, you say in your experience, it's typically every hundred years. I've seen well, situations where it's like they, they skip a generation where it's like the grandparents, you know, reincarnate. That's falling, that's falling close it, to that. Is it? Okay. Years. That's falling similar in there. And again, there's, there's going to be exceptions. Here's what I found about reincarnation. There's no rule book. There's no mm. checklist. Mm-hmm. There's no, you, you know, there's no one standing there going, oh, you, you're coming back as a horse or a cat or a dog or a human. You know, you can't do that. You have to go stand in that line over there. That isn't there. What I've found is that just about anything can happen. And most of the time, dogs come back as dogs. People come back as people. Cats come back as cats. But I have also seen those get mixed up. So what I have come to understand is mm. we don't know anything <laughs> what do you mean by mixed up what like 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 their their grandparents come back as the family dog or the yes. family dog comes back as yes. their as their daughter or yes oh really okay yes. so this so so is it a is it the concept of soul groups and they're just changing yes. roles changing yes. outfits oh okay it's like uh it's like a, you have this this soul group your soul family that you reincarnate with over and over and over again. Sometimes you get some new members of the soul group and sometimes, you know, other members go off to other soul groups, but you're basically having these experiences with the people or the spirits in your soul group, human and animal. And I get asked a lot, you know, is there a rainbow bridge? Is there such a place? Well, yes and no. Of course, that's a a beautiful description of what the other side looks like. And yes, it's beautiful on the other side. Yes, there's green grass and trees and butterflies and, you know, all of that stuff. But in the story of the Rainbow Bridge, the animals are kept only with other animals. And my experience Mm. is you can be with whoever is in your soul group, human or animal. There's no separation. It's not like, okay, we're on the second floor and this is the dog floor and only dogs are on this level you know next we're going to the cat level and there's only cats on this level next you're going to the horses level and then it's not like that in my experience if you have a a soul group that you have been reincarnating with then you get to experience all of those soul members on the other side human and animal there's no separation there's no humans only or dogs only or cats only Uh, You get to be with whoever you want to be with, and you can be in more than one place at one time. Explain by location or basically parallel souls. Um, Explain that to people because they have a hard time, you know, because a lot of people think, a lot of people think in in linear terms, they, 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 Mm -hmm. they can't comprehend that their energy can Mm -hmm. manifest in multiple forms in multiple timelines and multiple existences or even in multiple different versions of themselves on this timeline in this dimension in this planet at the same time like you mean i have 
a Miro soul walking around somewhere in Tokyo. It's hard hard to wrap your head around it unless you've done a lot of energy work, unless you have spent time in other dimensions. It is, uh, it fascinates me. And that's what I love just about bringing my law enforcement into it is I love the investigative process because I love proof. I love evidence. I love the facts. I love trying to figure out, you know, what is as quote unquote reality, as close to reality as you can get about the different dimensions. And from what I have found is that once we leave our, our physical body, it's kind of like our body is like, um, maybe think of your, uh, a worn out pair of tennis shoes mm-hmm. that you had for you know 10 years or so they they right. kind of fell apart and you couldn't wear them anymore so you went to the store and you got a new pair of tennis shoes do you worry about what are where that other pair of tennis shoes with no you probably chucked it or donated them or whatever you did with them so the body the spirit will go into a new body just like you bought those new tennis shoes So it's not a a matter of, um, you know, leaving a part of it behind because the soul's going forward. It's, it's always moving forward and it's always about progression, a soul's progression. And what your soul is progressing to may change in your lifetime, or it may take several lifetimes for you to progress based on whether or not you're paying attention to the clues that are around you and the lessons that you're presented with, you may have to come back time and time and time and time and time and time again to repeat them. But back to what we were saying about how they can be in more than one place at one time. Oh, you know, Karen, those life lessons can be difficult because some people just do not want to give up certain things. And so they, uh, you know, it, it, it's like the person who keeps reattracting the same abusive relationship over and over again. It's like, how many ex-husbands do you need to have before you realize, you yes. know, that you're, you've played out this storyline so many times. Yes. And you still don't want to learn from it. So, but you know what? There is no time on the other side. So if it takes you many, many more lifetimes to finally get the lesson so you can grow from it then that's what it, that's, that's the value. So, I mean, the other side is not going to sit there and go, God, it took, it took you a thousand lifetimes to get over anger (laughs) (laughs) or 2000 lifetimes to get over forgiveness, to be, to to forgive people, Um, you know, so, but they're not going to judge the other side. They're like, well, it's all the same. A thousand years, 2000 years, you know, 5,000 lifetimes. It's all the same. It's just as valuable as one. Yeah. Dropping, dropping the bucket, you know, a, a thousand years is nothing um in the afterlife it's nothing yeah it it really is you know we're we're all here for a different soul purpose our soul is here to learn and grow uh spiritually if you will and to evolve spiritually and just in my lifetime i went from being consciously a non-believer in anything that we're talking about right now until it happened to me. That's when I went, wait a second, there's some really weird things happening Mm -hmm. around me. What is Mm -hmm. going on here? So maybe if you're thinking, ah, this all sounds too, you know, out there, you just haven't had an experience to where you go, wait a second, there's more to this than meets the eye. There's, I need to find out more. And that's what happened to me is it started happening. Things, strange things started happening. I started learning more and more about it, reading whatever I could, the internet was just 
getting started back when I started my work and energy work. So that wasn't available like at your fingertips now, you know, you mm -hmm. have all information. But yeah. I think it, it really is important that whatever intrigues you, you know, follow that, follow that trail, whatever you're drawn to, you know, animal communication, maybe spirit communication. I mean, there's plant communication, mm -hmm. there's interdimensional travel, there's the, mm -hmm. uh, all the healing, the energy work. There's so much out there that we just, you know, barely scratch the surface on. We need more light workers. So I encourage you, if that's something that you're interested in, we need more people to raise their vibration and bring this awareness to the density of the earth's population right now, just for, you know, global healing, if you will, universal healing. And um, I'm, I am just like, so amazed at what I have learned over the last 25 years. I have transformed from somebody who would have sat here and thought what you and I were talking about was a bunch of hooey. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have believed it. No way. And you know, now now look at where I am. I, I write books about my experiences and I have documented over 20,000 communication sessions. And you know, there's so much still that I haven't learned. There's so much still that I haven't experienced. That's the part that's exciting to me is what else will happen? What else will I come to know? And I, right. hope, I hope a lot more. Well, th well, there is a whole lot more in creation and existence that you could ever imagine. So uh, what I always tell my clients as they are getting into a six senses and their six senses are evolving to other six senses and on and on and on is you're never going to know it all. And, mm -hmm. and trying to learn everything is you're just going to overwhelm yourself and you're going to short yourself. So just take it one day, one experience, one six sense at a time and, and kind of go from there and just enjoy the process because you're still going to learn, but you're going to have fun doing it and enjoying it. And Absolutely. just just really quick about the about the uh, the the family soul group circle uh, of reincarnation. Um, I don't know if you had this with any of your clients, but I uh, I know of a case where uh, this woman has three children and like five different um, dogs. So five, six, seven, eight. So so eight total. She has three three human children and five. Um, dogs so five she's a pet parent to five dogs now in a reincarnation session in a past life regression she had eight children and those were all her eight children but in this lifetime because she's focusing on uh, a higher quality of life she's um you know everything's much more expensive etc cetera, etc cetera. um she's not able to have the experiences um that she wants to have with eight children okay so in this lifetime, somehow those same souls manifested as three human children and five dogs. Okay. Um, have you had that situation where? Uh, it totally makes sense to me. And, and here's a perfect example. Let's say that you were destined to uh, reincarnate with your horse. Maybe this was a, a, a horse that you went to in battle with, maybe in the medieval times, mm -hmm. or maybe, you know, from the Roman days or, you know, let's go way, way back in time, you know, and just think that you're supposed to come back into this lifetime. Well, let's say you live in New York city in a high rise. Mm -hmm. 
So how are you going to have another lifetime experience with your horse? Well, that spirit of that force can choose to come back as something a little bit more in your current lifestyle, such as a smaller companion animal, maybe a mm-hmm. house cat, maybe, you know, something, a small dog, something of that nature. It's still the same spirit that you have reincarnated with all those other times, but it's changing because of the life choices, the free will choices that you're making currently that you're living in New York city. Right. And you can't have a horse. I mean, you could rent a stable and all that other stuff, but you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. And the other question with that also is about recognizing spirits, recognizing each other. So um, what, advice you have let's say you talk to a a client and she got over or he got over his grief and move forward they are ready to adopt again and you hear these stories I know my husband and I um, you know when we adopt we look at all the pets and then we just instantly have a connection like this is the one Uh, and it it is it it's a very strong feeling that this is the one like you meet the one so um, do you when people are adopting pets, do they often just recognize the 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 soul in that dog? I mean, is there like a like a recognition of of the the souls? I think it, there is a soul recognition, but I think that can also be misinterpreted hmm. if you are deep in your grief. Mm-hmm. because the heart is so wounded you're you're it's overwhelming your grief is overwhelming your intuition so Vaughn if if I were to conduct a session let's say you and I had an appointment tomorrow and I was going to conduct a pet communication session for you if let's say one of my pets died overnight and I was in such a place of grief I would I would be unable to hold that session with you tomorrow because of my own grief. Right, right. That's what grief does to us. It numbs us, it paralyzes us. It shuts down everything to protect us from further pain. We're going through too much, so it turns everything off. So if you are deeply grieving, and if you are not honoring your grief, by going through all of the stages and acknowledging all of your feelings and expressing yourself and doing positive things to move forward into healing, you can get your messages mixed up and end up with an adoption that maybe isn't the best fit. Right, right, right. So, so what, what are your recommendations for, uh, for people who are adopting pets at this time post you know, letting go uh, or or, uh, getting over grief from a a previous pet? I think think it's a a double-edged sword. I want to say on one hand, I want to say, take your time and be patient on your journey through grief. You've earned that with your pets, the one Mm -hmm. that just passed on. Right. And uh, for me, I have so many um, that I have, they all need me. So if I lose one, I still have so many that need me that I can pour my love into them. It's not like I'm going out and adopting another one because I have so many that still need me. So I would say just be very mindful 
that your body and your spirit is going to be deeply affected by grief and it can greatly alter your decision-making ability. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's always wise, you know, not to make any big decisions and a pet is a big decision. This is a a lifetime commitment. You know, I have a horse that's getting close to 40 years old right now. Mm -hmm. It's a family member. Yeah. (laughs) You know, think Mm -hmm. about it. This is a really big decision. So my recommendation is to wait until you are emotionally calm. Doesn't mean the pain's going to be gone. The pain Mm -hmm. will probably always still be there on on certain levels. But just wait until you can make decisions easily again, comfortably again, and that you're thinking clearly and have someone to bounce things off of, you know, have a friend or a family member, somebody that you trust, you know, go with you and, Hey, you know, this feels like a good time to me. And, and, and really take your time through that. I think if you rush into it too soon, you'll get into one of those situations where, you know, it really wasn't the best fit. And that can be really traumatic too, because then you have to maybe even rehome and then you're going through another loss at that point. So, right, right. You know, what are your thoughts on um, people who claim that they feel that their deceased pet is around them? I'm going to give you an example. Um, like, like my friend, she lost her St. Bernard. He's massive. Okay. Uh, he's like a whole nother person sitting next to you. But anyways, she lost her St. Bernard. And uh, within a couple of days after his passing, she was sitting in bed and she was telling everybody um, that her St. Bernard came and visited her. She was thinking about him. And all of a sudden, and she said, it wasn't in my head. I wasn't thinking about this, but her, her bed sank in like her St. Bernard would sit next to her. It sank in and like the weight of the bed sank in. And then she saw the impression. It didn't scare her because it felt like her St. Bernard. But, um, but you know, you have people who, who, who have recently lost a deceased loved one, a deceased pet, and they really feel like, oh my goodness, it really feels like my dog just jumped on my bed. What do you say about that? It's really them. <laughs> and when we have a moment like that, it is so important to acknowledge them saying, oh my gosh, I just felt that, you know, do it again and invite them and tell them you appreciate it. It took so much energy for them to do that. If you even mm. realize, if you were like down to like, you know, less than 10% on your phone, you'd be making really short phone calls, right? You wouldn't be like, you know, doing long-term stuff. Well, just imagine that their energy drains every time Mm -hmm. they send a message or any time that they send a manifestation like that, that's a huge uh, energy Mm -hmm. drain right there. So for you to not acknowledge them, it's a big disappointment to them. They don't get Mm -hmm. mad at you, but imagine you were trying so hard to get your loved one's attention and they said, ah, that's just my imagination. Yeah, it's like, them. yeah, it's like that scene on, in the movie Ghost, uh, where Patrick's, was it Ghost, where Patrick Swayze was like, push, doing all his energy to push the penny up the wall. Penny. Yep. Yeah. Penny, so. And to kick the can. Remember how he had to learn how to focus his energy to kick the can? That's very realistic. They did a great mm. job there of that. So the thing to remember is, 
not all animals are going to come to you in dreams. Not all animals are going to manifest by jumping on the bed or rubbing up against you or knocking something off of the table or opening a door, or going through the doggy door. Uh, but when they do, please know that you are so lucky and that is so amazing. And you can tell them right then and there, thank you. I loved it. I, I know that's you. Send me another sign and then invite them to do that. If you're comfortable with it, invite them to do that and be sure that you call to them by name. You know, don't just say to anyone because you don't want just anyone showing up, but you want your special angel. Okay. To so call them by their name. All right. Call all right. Them by name. Let them know. I felt you, I saw you, you know, do it again. You came to me in my dream last night. It was wonderful. I'd love for you to do that again. And, and just remember, just like your cell phone plugging it in, they need a source of fuel. So this is very important, especially for grief stricken parents. Mm. When you are grieving, you are not a source of energy. Mm. Your energy is draining because what are you doing? You're grieving. You are trying okay. to get through a really tough time. When you are a source of energy is when you're happy and joyful and your aura is way out here. When we're grieving, our, our aura is pulled in and we're you know down in the fetal position and we're crying and we're emotional. Mm -hmm. So your departed pets can't draw energy from you to manifest, to come to you in dreams or to send you a sign or a message. Mm -hmm. when you're grieving because you are not providing a source of energy to them when you move into healing now you're shifting now they can start to pull their energy from you because you're moving into healing and your batteries are charging up again doesn't mean they won't come to you during those times it's just harder for them to come to you during those times Good advice. Good advice. Now, you know, um, some pets can detect medical issues like tumors um, in your body. And actually, uh, my my handicapped brother, he has um, seizure dogs who will, before he has a seizure, pick it up somehow through the ethers. But they before he has a seizure, he goes and he finds um, us on the property somewhere and lets us know. And then it's like, follow me and then he, he leads you to my brother and then my brother has a seizure and this happens all the time he actually got um they actually wrote a article on um you know in this area for uh for a special needs article in a local publication about him but um what are your thoughts on dogs having the ability to notice medical anomalies in your body I actually believe that animals can be interdimensional. And I know that's going to sound mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. wacky to some people. Uh, I do believe this. So in, in that, so what you were saying there, I believe that the dog's senses can go into a different dimension, literally like feelers, if you will. Mm -hmm. And they can pick up on those anomalies and then report back to us. And I think they have the ability to do this. I think cats are incredibly good at doing this. That's why cats were worshiped in ancient Egypt because they were like seers. They could see into the future. They could see spirits. They could see things around them. 
ancient Egyptians were like, whoa, mm -hmm. you know, what we got here. So I do believe that animals have the ability to go into different dimensions like that and to pick up on something such as disease or a tumor or something that is an imbalance energetically imbalances are easy to pick up hmm. you know in our human body as humans walking around with normal consciousness not so much because there's we got we've got so much going on and our brains right. are clicking a million times but energetically when when you're an energy worker and you focus on someone's aura or someone's energy it's very easy to see the imbalances their chakras mm. aren't lined up right or need to be cleared or there's some other kind of balance. The adrenals are drained or whatever it is and their auras are pulled in. So energetically speaking, it's it's fairly simple to see imbalances. Even if you're just out in public and you just kind of watch people, you can kind of tell just by being a good observer uh, which people are balanced and which people are not. And so I think that these dogs that can sense tumors and diseases and seizures and things like that, you know, we need to learn from them. We need mm -hmm. to really pay attention and study that. And I had this happen to me recently. I accidentally ran into the, the arm um, handle of a recliner uh -huh. and it caught me right in the shin and it left pretty much a, a half dollar size, um, really bad cut on my shin well it wouldn't heal because it was in a really bad spot there mm -hmm. and it was really painful and I had like several layers of band bandages over it and it never failed whenever I sat down I have three little dogs one of them would come over and put his nose right next to that boo-boo mm -hmm. and it was like and he didn't do it like to sleep, to put his head there to sleep. He put his head there and would look at me like, I know you have a boo-boo here. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can tell there's a boo-boo here. And they know where we're hurting. And mm -hmm. you, many people have probably had this happen. Like if you're emotional and crying or you've been through trauma or something, or even if you don't feel well, you're home in bed, your animals will glom on you. Mm -hmm. They just want to be with you. They want to help you heal. That's one of the things that they're here with us for in this lifetime is to help us through our challenges and to help us heal and giving, giving us their energy. So yeah. I, I think it's awesome how they can do that. And yeah, we have so much to learn from them. We do have a lot to learn from them. Let me ask you about the learning part from your, um, your beloved pets is um, especially while they're living. Okay. So the seizure dog, um, we had a um, a small, like, they call it a Parsons. Um, but anyways, we have a small dog. It's my brother's seizure dog. And when he was living, there have been many instances where my mother or my stepdad at night would wake up to him barking outside. And, the, and they would just be baffled as to, and, and and you guys can look at my eyes and everything and do body language. This is the truth. <clears throat> but they would be baffled as to how did he get outside? He was inside when we went to bed and there is no dog. The, the house is locked down. How did he get outside? And this happened a couple of times. It would just annoy them because um, they wanted to get their sleep. 
And there's been times where I've asked um, Toby, Toby, you need to show me how you buy locate. I love that skill. I still haven't learned it from Toby. So how can we learn these interdimensional uh, skills that some pets seem to have? You know, I think it, it starts with something like similar to remote viewing. Mm. You know, the ability to see something that's in a location that is different than ours. And again, it gets into that interdimensional um, being able to move between dimensions. So I think that that's something similar. I've done some remote viewing. I'm nowhere near an expert on the topic, but it really truly fascinates me. And I love that uh, there are people out there that even the government has hired to do remote viewing for um, security purposes in that. So I, I think that that might be something they can tap into but remember, from an animal's perspective, they don't know that they're doing anything different or unusual or. Well, it's not it's not remote viewing. He physically was outside. I meant, I meant, I meant locating. I meant by locating by locating. Um, OK, I've never had any experiences with an animal by locating like that. Um, but that's truly fascinating. I love that story. But I, I, I think it has it starts with something like remote viewing where they. They want to see something that's in a different location. All right. And maybe this dog heard something out there, wanted to he protect was somehow the family. Able yeah. to pull himself, pull himself mm -hmm. there. Somehow, okay. You know, maybe that's and and I'm kind of thinking of Star Trek, you know, the whole beam me up, Scotty. You know, they go into the that little thing and the transformer thing moved him up. Yeah, yeah. Um maybe okay. that's how. Okay, because, um, yeah, uh, Toby passed away, and he was a good little dog, but he never gave me his little secret on how to bilocate, <laughs> so I'm kind of a little miffed about that. But if you, any of you audience members, if you come into the Sixth Sense to bilocate, please reach out to me. I would love to do a consultation because I like to consult with Sixth Senses and um, help my clients with their evolving Sixth Senses, and I have not had a bilocation yeah, I've had apportation where you apport something out of your body from different locations, realms, et cetera, but I have not had a bilocation. And I always want to learn from my clients. So by locating clients out there who have pets or you do it yourself, uh, if that is a sixth sense that you have, please let me know because I know of a dog that did that. Um, the other thing I want to know about is I had two cats when um, a long time ago. And I adopted them out the nursing home. So they're the nursing home cats. And um, the one cat, the female cat, I don't, once I adopt them out, I don't keep contact with them. But somehow at my work, I got this phone call over and over again with this message, please come pick up your cat. Your pet cat is sick. She's looking for her, for her, um, for her owner. You, and I'm, and I'm like, call the number. And it was a prank dial number. One of those automatic dialer numbers that you can put, pick up a prank message and then send it to that person. And um, I was like, oh, it's interesting. And after many of these messages, um, I even got an email as well, which I was always really interesting. Um, and I would respond back, nothing. I located the cat from the nursing home and I spoke to the owner and she said, well, 
the female cat had cancer about five months ago and uh, we tried everything we possibly can but you know she passed away and, and yada 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 and I was like oh interesting I was just communicated somehow that my cat passed away and I needed she had a message that she wanted to let me know about and she said well that's really that's really interesting Vaughn because um recently I was going through her stuff and I don't need two cat stuff in the apartment so I was going through her stuff and trying to um donate it out and around the same exact time that I was getting these prank calls and messages about find your cat your cat has a message for you and all she wanted all she wanted was just to let me know um that she had a good life with madame and um and that she passed on and she just wanted to just have me acknowledge that that's it that's just, she just wow. wanted me to know um cool. have you have you ever had any of those kind of experiences with your clients or with yourself i have uh there were many clients some of my clients are with me from day one so you know we're spanning back 25 years now. Mm-hmm. So there have been many times where I did numerous sessions for them and, and I was with them through, you know, every single aspect of their life, mm-hmm. good times, bad times and sad times and everything in between. And I would just get a, a random download, if you will, from one of their animals with like an urgent message. And, uh, and at one time in particular, I remember a, a German shepherd came through to me and told me that he had a very serious heart issue. Mm-hmm. It was still alive. The dog was still alive. And I thought I was a little crazy because I was like, what, where did that come from? So, you know, I hesitated at first to reach out to my client because, you know, we have to be responsible for what we say and what we deliver uh, because we can be wrong. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to upset this client. So I, passed the message along. I did some meditation on it and I got some more affirmations that what I was getting was accurate. And, uh, I contacted the client and it turned out that, uh, he had just gotten some pretty devastating news that right. his dog had this very serious heart condition. I also had a, a departed human reach out to me, whisper his wife's name in my ear three times. Mm-hmm. And I recognized the spirit, but it wasn't making sense because the man I knew was a lot. Right. Maybe it's his higher self that's communicating with you. I got really confused. I was like, why did he just come to me and say his wife's name three times? So I just sent her this obscure little email that said, hey, just checking in. Is everything okay? And right away, I got an email. I can't believe you reached out to me. Uh, my husband was killed in a car accident. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So I've had that happen to me, those sort of things. Uh, you know, there's, we're all connected. We are all yeah. inter- interwoven. And, and you know, what was it, so ironic is he was a big skeptic and he didn't believe in my work at all and he used to give her so much grief when she would Mm -hmm. have sessions with me and just tell her she was wasting her money and that's all just a bunch of nonsense and 
who does he come and whisper in his mm-hmm. wife's name into my ear? Yeah. Yeah. And that happens too. You know, um, I'm going to share my screen. I want to show you some pictures really quick. Okay. So, um, hold on. Oh, how cute. Yeah. So this is my, um, a picture of me a long time ago. Uh, when I was younger. But anyways, these are my two cats. This is the, the cats that I adopted out to the nursing home. And um, this, this one thinks he's a dog. So he, because <laughs> they were raised by, uh, they were raised by a Corgi and also a Boston Terrier. Um, and so he, he, he tries to bark. He hangs out with the dogs. He thinks he's a dog. And so he got along great with the dogs in the nursing home. But um, this is the one that died of cancer. Uh, and she's wanted to let me know, but is as you can see in these pictures, uh, this this is before digital. Um, this is actually a one of those normal um, slide ones that you would get done. So, anyways, this is my dog. Um, so this is the shaggy dog. So you can see a leg there, a leg there, a leg there, a leg there. His shaggy hair, his mm-hmm. muzzle, all that. So that's my shaggy dog. I and see then, it. Yeah, and so he came up really, really clear because I was doing a picture of the pets. And this one here is another one. It's really hard to see this one, but this one is my Boston Terrier. So here's a leg, here's a leg, here's a leg, here's a leg. I see it. And then, and then his his body. So, um, but they always hung out together. But in, But it was nice to see that, and it might be wishful thinking, you can say that but that looks like a dog to me and it was exactly my dog but um you know they passed away and they still show up in pictures so they do hang out and they still want to say hi to you um i get ghost pictures quite often this one was in uh, bc and this is the empress hotel and i i say this is the empress um, from the early century because there's an eye and there's a nose and there's her her chin and there's her bonnie coat her her um her uh, what, hat and then here's her coat and you can even see some buttons here kind of kind of like a coat yep i see it wow and then and then her her arms in one of those little muffins those those uh-huh. those, those um i don't know what you call yes. that but Look. anyways yeah wow. so and so that that is that one and then of course um here's one where whoa uh, yeah there's a person walking across the street you can see his legs but then it kind of blends out and so i don't know what frequency i'm in <laughs> but um, cool. whoa yeah, but if you guys see these, um, send them in because I totally want to do an episode on family pets showing up and people showing up in your pictures. So uh, it, it just really goes to show uh, what you and I were talking about. Our deceased pets do show up. They are around. They're just in a different frequency than us. But, but sometimes in that middle range, they will show up in our presence. That's really cool. That's that's wonderful evidence too. I love that. I love something tangible like that. And 
and I don't believe in coincidence. I really don't. I think that we experience things for a reason, whether to raise our consciousness, to raise our awareness, to open up a, a door to something that we need to learn about. Mm. So I think that's really special that you got those pictures. Yeah, and I get them quite fre- quite frequently, and I have clients that um, send me um, ghost pictures uh, as well. But you know, the wonderful thing is that you teach how to do this as well. So can yeah. you um, let everybody know about your courses that you offer, along with the books that you offer as well? I would love to. In fact, it's probably my most favorite thing to do is to share this incredible ability to communicate and my secrets and the simple steps, you know, it doesn't take a certain level of skill. It doesn't take a certain level of education. It does. You don't have to be born a psychic. You don't have to have a grandmother who's psychic or a grandfather. You just have to want to be open to learning some simple steps. It is just my joy. It's a passion. And if If you are determined, you really want to learn this, chances are you'll pick up your first few messages the first few times you try. It's really that simple. And um, it's that simple. So uh, just to give your your viewers, uh, for instance, if you can picture right now in your mind the American flag, Mm -hmm. red, white, and blue, stars and stripes, Maybe you can even picture it waving in the breeze. Then you can learn how to communicate with animals. It's that simple. So as I was describing that to you, the American flag, you guys could probably all see it, right? You could see the colors. You could see the flag. That's how messages will imprint on you. You're still, you still have your eyes open. You're still looking at me. You're still looking at this podcast but your brain was able to imagine that superimposed American flag. That's the first step in learning animal communication is just to be aware of those imprints. Mm -hmm. They may be very subtle. They may be very strong, but just like that, I'll show you there's eight simple steps to learn how to open your heart, your mind and your soul to send and receive those messages. So I, I have an online course for beginners and you get my personal feedback every step of the way. So Mm -hmm. it's not like I just sign up and then kick you to the curb. No, you get me through the entire program Mm -hmm. and um, it's really designed for someone who has never had any experience before, or if you're really rusty, it's a great kind of tune up. Or if maybe you took a course a few years ago and you kind of forgot what you were doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so it's um, uh, self-paced. It starts when you start, you log in whenever you want to log in. So that's for beginners. And then I have intermediate and advanced level private coaching where we would do a Zoom just like this. Mm-hmm. And I would personally coach you through whatever level you're at, design a program for you. So everything in between If you're at the intermediate level and you're already communicating with animals, you just want to sharpen your skills or learn how to get more detailed information, or maybe you are at the advanced level and you want to open an animal communication business like I did, 
I have an entire 12 week program that'll show you exactly, exactly how to do that, including all the marketing and everything that goes into launching a business. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's good. The business side of it, the business side of it is very good too. Yep. So once you've got, once you've got the basics down, you're, you're ready to go. There's more steps for you. I also have a, a Facebook group where you can practice along with us in the Facebook group and that's free, of course. And I also have a, uh, a mobile app. Um, it's called Pet Loss, Hope, and Healing, and it's free to download. And you can learn and train for free in the app. So you have to register. Oh, wow. Okay. Again, but there's more free animal communication training tips in my Pet Loss app. Oh, wow. I might, I might have to download that app today uh, during dinner. So is there a last message that you have for people getting into this, this, this skill? You know, oh. because some people, everybody's going to learn at different paces. Some people are going to just run with it. Some people is going to go, I don't think I got anything. So what's your last message that you want to leave for in, investigative yep. students? I want to leave a message with you that in the beginning, it will seem like it is your imagination, but that is what a message feels like. It feels like your imagination. So the proof that you can validate comes when you practice with me and I share the feedback and you get the confirmation that what you received was accurate. So it really is like your imagination, but I will teach you how to tell the difference between you imagining things and you receiving information because they're very closely related. And truly anybody who really has the desire and motivation and the love for animals, if I can do this, anyone can do this. Oh, that's a great last message, Karen. Well, thank you again for offering your knowledge on how to communicate with our deceased pets. And so for more information about Karen's books, offerings, um, and courses, please visit her website, which is karenanderson.net. And again, thank you kindly to our listeners for listening to another enlightening conversation. Until next time, blessings. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.